0: In the fragile substance of my soul. And I have filled this void with things unreal. And all the while, my character it steals. You're listening to the Holy Catholic Room, a podcast looking at faith, life, and culture from the perspective of two young Catholics. My name is Lyndon Chan, and I'm an engineering master's student at the University of Toronto. And I am Jeremy Zhao, your co-host, currently a seminarian studying for the Archdiocese of Toronto. In this podcast, we look at different topics each week for contemplative reflections and casual conversations. Trying to brew the things we wish we'd known earlier into the strongest drink allowable for public consumption. Ohana means family. Family means nobody that's left behind or forgotten. That's one of the most famous lines from the movie *Lilo we and Stitch. Uh, I wasn't sure if uh, I had the copyright for using the clip, so I decided to make my own rendition. Today's topic will be on family, and I'll be sharing some stories about how my family has influenced my life and my faith. I'll be presenting a series of stories, and I'll be reflecting on them, how it, it's affected me, how it's formed my faith into the way it is now. Mm. Uh, Just a little disclaimer, my family background is a funny mix of Catholic and Chinese cultures, but with also some influence of liberal Western culture, the culture that we find ourselves in Canada today. I've decided not to include anything too personal from my family. I've kind of filtered them out, but for personal things from me, well, that's fair game, so I've left that in there. Thanks to my wonderful family. If you guys are listening, love you. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you got some interesting insights from things I say today. And this will be my last episode for the first season of The Holy Catholic Brew. Uh, I'll be focusing on a more interview-based format for the second season, and I'll need a bit of time to organize that. So please be forgiving for that time of silence until the next season. I don't expect it to be more than one or two weeks. And I'll have an interesting list of interviewees for the next season. I'm thinking of including people from different walks of life and asking them how their faith has been affected by the vocation that God has called them to. And yeah, thanks guys for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. So for all of our Canadian listeners out there, you're probably familiar with what our liberal Western culture tells us about our parents and our older relatives. Our culture is very materialistic, it's very supposedly scientifically based, and socially, philosophically, it's based on the postmodern social Marxist mindset that was really popular in the 1960s and 70s. And according to that view, your parents are just the male and female humans who, well, they came together because they were attracted to each other, they had sex and they gave birth to you, and then most likely they raised you up together. And under this mindset, parenthood is degraded. It's an authority that must be questioned because under the Marxist mindset, all authority must be erased. Everyone must have a class of society and therefore any class distinctions must be erased. Under our current Western mindset, having parents above children is an unacceptable authority. And so in our culture today, we see a lot of parents being degraded, of youth culture being promoted as the way that things should be. And a lot of older people are kind of demeaned as being backward in their thinking. And traditions are being put on the back burner in, in favor of more progressive ideas. But for those of us who are raised in a Chinese culture, we know that it's the older generations who demand respect and obedience from the younger generations. And in return, the younger generations receive guidance and affection. It's kind of a contractual thing that's taken for granted by a lot of Chinese people. And it's an idea that's stretched for thousands of years. To Chinese people, your parents are the people who are responsible for giving you life. And they demand a lot of respect for that. Whereas a lot of Western people view their parents as kind of being friends. Chinese people tend to see parents more as authority figures as people who should be respected um, instead of being chatted with as though they were just casual friends. And to Chinese people, uh, your parents are just the most immediate link in a long stream of ancestors reaching back into the past. To Chinese people, the family is one giant conception of aunts, uncles, grandparents, grand-aunts, stretching back way beyond the nuclear family, which I think most Western people think the family as. I think you might have heard of stories of Christmas dinners where people meet relatives that they haven't seen for a long time. And as I was growing up, because I see my relatives pretty frequently, I always felt that kind of weird because the family is so tight-knit to Chinese people that this Western mentality of having distant relatives was very foreign to me. But we also know that parents and older relatives are sources of wisdom, and they teach us proper human behavior, how to interact with the world, and how to differentiate right from wrong. Traditionally, it's the father who provides for the family, disciplines the children, and they receive adoration and admiration for all of his many talents. It's the mother, on the other hand, who nurtures the children and shows unconditional love. In Catholicism we see parents in a different way as well. We see that the love of one's parents is an icon to the love of God. An icon is a piece of art that depicts a religious topic, and it helps the devotee to focus on spiritual things. It points from the material to the spiritual. And in the same way, it's, you can see in the love of the father and the mother, becoming a child as a symbol of how the Holy Trinity is like, of how the love between the Father and the Son becomes the Holy Spirit. And as children, we have no idea of how to interact with reality because, well, we were just born. But our parents have much more years of experience and far better knowledge than us of how to be a human, of how to be a proper human, how to interact with reality. And it's the parents that teach us to be proper humans. And in the same way, God teaches us in a far more infinite way than our parents could, of how to live our lives properly. God shows us, gives us laws in order to show us how we should live our lives if we are to be good people. And whether we like it or not, oftentimes we can't pick our parents, in the same way we can't pick our God. We inherit a lot of our conceptions of God from our parents, from the way that our parents bring us up. And these stick with us, even if we modify or transform them over time, in our adult lives. So growing up, my parents had brought me up with traditional Chinese values. If I wanted to be a good boy, I had to be polite, well-behaved, do well in school, and excel in different extracurricular activities like swimming, piano playing, um, going to Chinese class, and so on. And that fit my personality well because I loved learning and reading, And to me, making friends and socializing took a second place to doing well in school, just studying. I was sometimes a little bothered by the fact that there seemed to be no one like me. In my class, a lot of the girls liked reading and a lot of the guys liked sports and video games, but I couldn't really relate with them. And I remember once, my uncle asking me and my cousins whether we were excited to go back to school. And my cousin said, yeah, yeah, we want to see our friends again from school. And I kind of chimed in. But deep down, I was actually just excited to learn more things again. So to me, my main motivation in life was to do things properly by the book, to succeed and live a good life, to get into a good university, get a good job, get a good family and then die peacefully. And I was a huge stickler for rules. So I remember once I was having fun with my other classmates at elementary school. We're throwing wet toilet paper balls. So you'd take these toilet paper rolls and you'd soak them wet. And then if you threw them at a wall, it would stick, right? And we thought that was the most fun thing ever. But we got in trouble. We were caught for it. And I remember I was completely mortified that I would get a bad record on my name from when I entered high school or university. I thought that this would stick on my record forever. And my sense of worth, as you could probably expect, was predicated on my achieving things and earning love and affection. I was never the smartest kid in class, but I was happiest whenever I won awards at school and my parents dressed up to come to the award ceremony to celebrate my achievements. And to me, even though I was an atheist and an agnostic at the time, it really confused me why people thought of God as a person. Yeah, I acknowledged the existence of a higher being, someone who is more powerful or something that was more powerful than humans because I knew full well how limited us humans were with our intellects. And I acknowledged, yes, this thing should be respected and thanked for having created us and given us life. After all, we humans didn't create ourselves from nothing. But it made more sense to me that God would be a supernatural force. Why should we think of God as a person, right? It made a lot more sense from... The way we observe the universe, of how science and nature works that maybe this supernatural being was a force that rewarded people who are morally good and then punished people who are morally evil, but even after I became more religious and I started to go to church more, God to me was still a rule maker who had to be obeyed and an authority to bow down before instead of someone to have a relationship with to me, it felt like all this talk about having a relationship with God was just trying to cover up some of the not-so-pleasant details of religion. It was trying to sugarcoat reality of trying to make the faith more relatable in a way. So I had a hard time understanding this. And over time, this rule-based mentality really began to prevent me from forming proper human relationships. And I will not say I was socially stunted, but I began to think of making friends as tools to be used and rewards to be earned as people who would either help me achieve my goals or people who should by all rights like me because of how good I was. And I remember when I was in grade six, I pursued a girl and I was devastated when I asked her to a school dance and she rejected me. And I thought, wow, me, I was the boy with the best grades in the class. Well, there were girls who had better grades than me, but I was studious, I was polite, I spoke Chinese. I was by all means a good boy. And I didn't understand that. And today, it's easy for me to see how detrimental my insistence on following the rules was to my social development. At the same time, I can see myself being formed in that mentality and seeing the good things in it as well. I think if I were to become a father, I would also insist on a lot of these things that my parents had passed down to me, on this insistence that I do things the right way, of following some obvious rules that you need to work hard in order to succeed in life. And I do thank my parents for insisting that I do these things my very best and do them the right way. And that's really affected my faith in my life. And it's something I owe to my parents. Walk this earth till this curse won't come back again. Be my road, be my home, my bad way. Walk this earth till this curse won't come back again Oh, child, goodbye, childhood, goodbye I tried goodbye. I tried. You're listening to Childhood Goodbye by Madison Ward and the Mama Bear. Siblings and cousins are the peers who share the same relationships as you, whereas your parents and your older relatives are one level above you. Well, with your cousins and with your siblings, they share a lot of the same things that you have. And there isn't that strict hierarchy of authority of obedience that you see in your parents, they're the people who walk with you in life. The older siblings and cousins have already walked ahead of you, and the younger ones just walk a little bit behind. The things that they've seen for the older siblings can inform the decisions that we make now. And in return, we have a responsibility to lead our younger siblings. So I currently have one sister, uh, four younger cousins, and one of them is unborn and three older cousins. Two of my older cousins have already married, and one is a young-year-old son. The ones I was closest with growing up were a boy and a girl cousin who were both born within a week after me. I was born on December 2nd. Um, The girl cousin was born on December 7th, and the boy on December 9th. So when we were growing up, our families used to call us 279. Growing up, our families would meet up for dinner every week, and we would go over to one of our houses to play afterwards. We were really close in age, and that made us have a lot of fun every single time we met up. We made inside jokes, we played role-playing games, played video games together, played Lego, sometimes we would ride bikes, swim together. And I remember always waiting for that next weekend when we would meet up again, and I was really sad when I thought about it that we would only see each other 52 times a year, once every week. With my cousins, we had such a great diversity of ideas and experiences that I got an excellent idea of how things worked that I could never get from my parents, who, wise as they were, they couldn't see things at the ground level. Sometimes circumstances had changed since the time that they had grown up and gone to school. A lot of times my cousins had experienced things that well I would experience in a few years. I saw boyfriends and girlfriends go saw how my family interacted with them, saw people getting married, getting engaged, having kids even, raising kids, people going off to university, people trying to find jobs. They taught me a lot about how to do these things when I got older. In growing up, I wasn't as close with my sister because, well, she was five years younger than me. And as a girl, I didn't really know how to relate with her. I thought, what could I really say to her? She liked playing with dolls and socializing with her friends, typical girly talk. Her personality was also really different from mine. She needed her friends a lot more than me, whereas I was just happy to keep to myself and read books. And I was used to being an only child for five years, so I began to fight with her a lot. I thought of her as a competitor for my parents' attention. I did better in school than she did when we were growing up, and I later learned that she really resented how our parents held me up as an example. She felt that every single time I succeeded and she failed, that they were saying, look, can't you be more like Lyndon? Be less of yourself. And in life, I think the tendency is to think that we live our lives independently of each other, especially in our liberal Western culture, where we're taught that Our society is individualistic, that we're independent actors who choose the best choices in order to make ourselves happy. And we think that our own experiences are completely separate from those of others, that there really isn't anything to be gained by looking at other people's lives. But do you really think you're so special that other people's experiences can't be of any help? Do you really think that you're so different that you can't help out your younger siblings and cousins? That was something that really plagued my mind as I was growing up. And I began to have a more mature understanding of how to interact with people. When I first joined UTCCC, so for those who don't know, that's the University of Toronto Chinese Catholic Community, I began to notice that some of the members with siblings had really strong relationships amongst themselves, something that I really was jealous of, especially how they worked together to face problems. And whenever their parents misunderstood them, they would smooth out understandings with their parents. In a way, it was kind of like they're interceding on behalf of their siblings. At the same time, it wasn't anything rebellious. It was perfectly respectful, but it was also loving. It tried to make the family more harmonious. And also when I joined utccc and became a leader, I was really confused when I made all these very neat and organized talk plans that people didn't enjoy as much as I thought they would. It was then that I realized being in a relationship with people isn't just something that you do on your own that there's no need for listening, for adapting to suit their needs. I realized then that my relationship with God wasn't something that I could earn, something I could obtain for sure if only I finished requirement A, B, and C. And I began to be more open to pursuing a, a relationship with God, one that could only occur if I was open to him as a person, not merely as some spiritual force that I need to follow in order to get some benefits. Over time, I intentionally began to try and see things more from my sister's perspective. How did she see things in a different way from me? How she experienced things different from me? And what was best for her? That was something I hadn't really thought of before. And I tried to be less selfish in my interactions with her. I listened to her more when she talked about her problems with her life. And I was more open to her with whatever she was going through. I try to sympathize with her more, and slowly and slowly, I began to see that she wasn't as unlikable as I thought she was before. Maybe it's because, as we grew up, we got more things in common, especially as she went through high school through university. The things that we experienced became more and more similar. But I also like to think that it was this change in attitude of learning how to go in a relationship with people that really improved our relationship that helped us to grow closer as brother and sister. I also tried to give her advice based on what I'd gone through in university through the good decisions that I'd made and also the mistakes. And I tried to help her make better life decisions. And whenever our parents misunderstood us, I tried to intercede on her behalf. Doesn't this language of interceding really sound familiar? Well, of course it does. If we're Catholics, we have our saints. We have the saints to learn from and to emulate with their good solutions and avoid their mistakes. They've lived before us and they've succeeded. There are model examples of what it means to be a Christian. They teach us how to live our lives in obedience to God and fall in love with him and become spiritually successful. If the purpose of our lives is to live with love and go into heaven, well, that's exactly what the saints have done. And what better examples can we have to follow? From their mistakes, we also learn to avoid them so we can avoid the same problems that they struggled with. The saints aren't perfect people. Yes, they're virtuous, extremely virtuous, and role models to be emulated. But at the same time, they've made some serious mistakes as well. The only difference is that they've picked themselves up from those mistakes and they continue to pursue the good in their lives. And whenever we're still not doing well, we can ask for them to intercede for us to our Father in heaven. They're like our older siblings who know better the things that we're going through. And oftentimes when we struggle with our relationship with God, whenever we offend him, we need people to intercede for us, to smooth out those differences and help us to plead our father to forgive us. So in summary, family is a cradle of life. Whenever you take away the cradle, it's much harder to sustain life. Yes, it's possible to learn what it means to love, what it means to know good and evil, apart from the family, but it's much, much harder. The family is a place where we learn about unconditional love. Whenever you take away the family, where do you see love that isn't contractual? Where do you see affection, help, that isn't just a tit for tat thing, where I give you something and I receive something in return? In the family, we see an icon of God's love. You see a physical manifestation of something invisible, of how God gives himself over to humanity, of a sacrificial love that dies to self in order to give life to others. And you see that really clearly whenever parents give up on things that they would like for themselves, but know are not good for their children. Parents sacrifice in order to give their children the best that they can, and Family is the primary way in which God describes himself to humanity. Throughout the scriptures, God describes himself as as a father to his children. If God describes himself as a father, if God could find no other better human way in order to have his children relate to him, well, we should take him seriously. So that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. This, as a reminder, is the end of the first season of the Holy Catholic Brew. We'll be back next season in a few weeks. We will have a lineup of some interesting interviews. So thank you all for listening for this first season and hope to see you again next season. Bye-bye. Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all But lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see But you're solely mesquite, totally free